Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the latest Outsports podcast, uh, your mid-July, sort of mid-summer podcast. Uh, this is uh, Jim Zinsky in L.A. I believe Sid is on the line. Sid, are you there? Yes, for 12 more hours in Los Angeles. You are here for calling from a different number, so I didn't recognize the phone number. Oh, that's my um, that's my home number. Oh, well, that I only use for, for interviews and stuff like that. Yeah, don't, don't call this number because it's always off. So, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, this uh, podcast is brought to you by AT&T, Mobilizing Your World. And today we're going to have a little summer buffet. There's a lot, of, uh, a lot of news going on, nothing that you would call, you know, breaking stories, but there's a lot of stuff since we both were last on. And uh, so we're kind of kind of hit Caitlyn Jenner, and we're going to talk about Michael Sam and young LGBT athletes. And our old good buddy, Troy Aikman, who continues to deliver for Outsport. So um, if you are listening live and want to call in, the number is 347-945-7834. And I guess let's begin with what happened last night was the Caitlyn Jenner uh, ESPY Award. And uh, I assume you saw it, Sid. What was your first reaction after viewing it? Well, it, it it is the same reaction I have anytime I talk to trans people about their journey, and it's how fortunate I am to be cisgender. That I that you know, as a gay man, we go through struggles as kids, and we get teased, and and we try to figure out who we are. The, those struggles are, to me, pale in comparison to what trans people go through. And for Caitlyn Jenner to stand up there in front of a group of people who certainly would have been her peers 30, 40 years ago when she was an elite athlete, and to to look and sound and move and dress completely differently and be a different person, it it just struck me at how how hard it must have been for her to get to that place, to get up there and and the way she talked about her family and it really is just the just this the struggle and, and how much courage it takes to do what she did. Yeah, let's talk a bit about the courage part because it, there's been some, there was some controversy um, about her getting this award. Um, there were people I thought, I mean, I, I don't think everyone who opposed her getting the award was transphobic, although unfortunately there was a lot of that. I think trans, I mean, I think transgender people are sort of at where gay people and lesbians and bisexual people were a few decades ago in terms of the incredible amount of venom that's directed at them. I mean, there's still a lot of homophobia in the world, but the stuff that trans people hear all the time, I mean, it's just, it's really brutal. And uh, uh, Caitlyn Jenner's getting a lot of that. Uh, but I, uh, the controversy was over, does she deserve the quote-unquote courage award? <laughs> and there's been some talk at ESPN's and I that there was a quid pro quo between her getting the Diane Sawyer interview on ABC and her getting the award, which, you know, given the way big business works and PR works, as we know from the Michael Sam stuff, I don't put it past that. Um, I mean, so I respect some of the critics who thought the major complaint about Caitlin getting the award was she has not been involved in sports in decades. It's Ridiculous. Been a, you know, on the reality show and pretty much hasn't been an active sort of sports person. 
um, ridiculous, but okay. Well, but I'm saying no. I mean, I'll to me, it was. It, it, I'm saying it. I think it has some validity. Um, I think. Did you hear the them complain? Did, did you hear them what? complain about that when Tommy Smith and John Carlos got the award 40 years after they competed? Did you get hear that argument about Muhammad Ali who got the award 20 years after he competed? Did you hear that argument about Nelson Mandela who never competed in sports? You never heard those arguments when those people won the award. Well, again, I still think it is a, an argument that I think has some validity, and I don't think someone who's opposed to that makes them automatically transphobic. So I think I, I don't like to label everybody who's a, you know opposed to something getting an award, especially when there really could have been a synergy between ESPN, ABC, and Diane Sawyer getting this interview. That said, I think what she did and what she said yesterday is very courageous and is very powerful and is going to change lives more so than had they given it to, I forget the woman's name, Lauren Hill or her family, uh, the woman who had cancer and raised money um, and then passed away, which was sort of as if it was a competition for start. There was not a competition. There is not a ballot that does this. But I thought Caitlyn Jenner's impact, especially on young trans people, is much more powerful than anyone else they could have given the award to because she will directly, probably not an exaggeration to say, she will save some lives because there are people out there, and we've known it from doing all the gay coming out stories, who thought, I'm, not, I'm worthless, I'm nobody, and she stands up and in front of the world says this, and I, so I think that's why I supported her getting the award because it has much more of an impact than anybody else in sports this year that I could have thought of. Yeah, as you know, I label I label it all transphobia, and and for a couple of reasons, I've heard every single argument under the sun. Another common one is, well, her the the stuff she did wasn't uh, while she was an athlete. Well. The reason Mark Bingham won the award in 2012 was due for doing something when he wasn't an athlete. The reason Pat Tillman won the award in 2003 was doing something when he wasn't an athlete. So all of these examples that people keep throwing up about why Caitlyn Jenner was somehow undeserving, is, to me it's just rooted in transphobia and a basic misunderstanding of how difficult of a life it is that she has led and how difficult of, uh, of, of a journey she has had to go through, how much struggle she has had experienced, and how much true courage it has taken to do what she does. So to me, you, we, can, we, can, you can say, oh yes, well this point is interesting and that's interesting. We never heard any of these arguments until a gay black man last year was nominated and now a, a trans woman was nominated. And because they're LGBT, I think it's because they're LGBT and people don't, including Bob Costas, clearly does not understand what it has taken for Caitlyn Jenner to get here and do what she's done. Well, I mean, again, I, I don't like labeling people who have said otherwise supportive things as they're being somehow transphobic or bigots because they oppose her getting a specific award. I mean, this is not an award that's engraved on Mount Rushmore. It's not getting the Pulitzer. It's a, let's face it, this is a created award for ESPN. They get summer programming during the All-Star break when, they get no, no, when there's nothing else to show. And so we've sort of conflated this to be, oh, this is something special. She's getting the Arthur Ashe Courage Award. Well, it's yeah. not getting the Nobel Peace Prize. So I think there's a difference, you know, in, 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 in making this more than it really is. So, um, 
I mean, I think there clearly was a marketing element to this. This, I'm certain, got them huge ratings. It was shown on ABC for the first time, not on ESPN. And the Mm -hmm. fact of the matter is Diane Sawyer got the interview that everybody else in the media wanted. So I'm a little suspicious that this was totally coincidental that, you know, ESPN just happened to give Caitlyn Jenner the award uh, right around the same time it was announced that Diane Sawyer got the interview. So, you know, color me cynical. I still am glad she got the award. I'm still glad she said what she said, and I think it's wonderful, but this is not a noble thing to me. This is much about commerce as anything else. Yeah, it's just, uh, listen, awards like this are ESPYs. The ESPYs are just whatever. It's people getting into a room and just making a decision. I mean, it, and the, the people saying, oh, well, this this teenage girl with cancer was more brave than than Caitlyn. That, that, to me, is just so, it's offensive to me that one person's courage would, would somehow be more important or more worthy of acknowledgement than, than someone else's. You could point to millions of people who deserve that award. And at the end of the day, a handful of people in a room at ESPN have to make the decision, and they make the decision for a bunch of reasons. And, and <laughs> if part of, one of the reasons is Caitlyn Jenner uh, will get more TV exposure, that's a legitimate reason. Why is that illegitimate? And, the, and again, like you said, the amount of good that she has done is is higher than any other person they could have put on stage last night. Well, the funny thing is, uh, Lauren, I think it's Lauren Hill. I'm sorry if I mispronounced her name. Her mom said her daughter would have probably chuckled at the controversy like and thought it ridiculous that there would be this, quote-unquote, competition between brave people, you know, yeah. Um, you know, I, I firefighters save five people. Well, I save twenty. Do I get the award? I mean, so I think people are using her, uh, Lauren's memory as sort of a cudgel to bludgeon Caitlin with it, while trying to give themselves a veneer of respectability. Like, well, she should have gotten it, or yeah. her, you know, family should have gotten it. And her mom's saying, actually, um, we won't. We're not a part of that. We're not a part of stoking this controversy. Um, yeah, and it's because people don't like Caitlyn, they don't like the the Kardashians, and they're transphobic. <coughs> and uh, that's 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 just my perspective. And all the on Twitter, the last 24 hours since I posted my column about it, people have been attacking me. And 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 as I engage them, eventually it comes out that yep, they just don't think trans people are courageous. They think that that Caitlyn Jenner is a man, and at, at every single time somebody's engaged me it's ultimately broken down to that well because i wrote about the golfer steve elkington who was suspended by the pga for uh, last year but it just came out that he revealed this for the first time first michael sam the comments that were homophobic and stupid and it's the same guy who said about caitlin jenner when caitlin was still going by bruce jenner that oh he, when he was Bruce Jenner, he was on the cover of a Wheaties box. Now he'll be on the cover of, of a Fruit Loops box. Ha, 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 as if, you know, that's somehow a joke. <laughs> that's a, that's and, actually kind of funny. I, and I get it. it is, <laughs> no, but I got this back and forth with the guy on email who said I have no sense of humor. And I said, well, um, as a joke, it doesn't work because nobody calls trans people fruits. They call gay people yeah, fruits. True. So it's a stupid true, joke right. even as a, you know. Uh, it's a famous line. I'm not offended as a Jew. I'm offended as a comedian. From <laughs> so I was like, it's a dumb joke in, uh, on its face. Uh, but people are trying to look for everything to say that a reason to make some bad joke or pun about it. And we've cited it in our Twitter feed today. We posted the video and the complete text of just some of the 
you know, direct comments we've got, it was like we don't get this when we post stories on LGB people, but we got them right. directly when we posted on a trans person. So it's like it really is, shows you the, the level of hatred that is still out there towards trans people. And so regardless of, of – and, and again, as Caitlin did it for purely financial motives, good for her. She's still making a difference. I mean, that's the bottom line is her speech was wonderful, and she is going to save – some young person's life right now who's going to have watched that maybe in the privacy of their bedroom and thought, okay, I, I can do this, or it's possible, or the world's changed somehow. So in that in and of itself is, you know, is why I think there was nobody more appropriate this year um, for her story. So um, so anyway, that's been a big talk story. Yeah. Uh, and there's a couple others we want to talk about, unless you have anything more you want to say on Caitlin. Um Dovetailing to last year's uh, Arthur Ashe Award winner is Michael Sam. We won't spend a whole lot of time on this, but uh, Michael's back with the Canadian Football League, Montreal Alouettes, and it's been two weeks, a little more than two weeks, and he's still not on the field, and odds are he will not be in tonight's game. Um, earliest chance is August 1st. Um, he's going to miss, if he misses tonight's game, a third of the season. And it's not a great start for someone who was hoping to get his way back in the NFL to miss a third of the CFL season because he he got a lot of catching up to do. Yeah, when you when the day before your first preseason game you decided to fly home for a few weeks, uh, that doesn't that doesn't really fit well into being prepared for football. So it's not a surprise that Michael has not taken the field yet, and yeah. Yeah, I, I, this it's a mystery. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I hope he gets on the field soon. But uh, you're right. It's, it's. I, I, the more you talk to people, the more people are just kind of losing interest in following him. And and if he wants to, if if he if he wants to have a future in football, he's going to need to play really well, which he has the, he has the potential to do. Yeah, he clearly has. He'll have 13 games, so it's not exactly a third, uh, maybe 28% or something. But um, he has an opportunity, but I was discouraged that he came back not ready to play, that the coach said, Michael said he needed to lose some weight. He's a little overweight. He's not in football shape. Canadian football field is wider than the NFL field. Um, And that made me discouraged, like, well, you think if you would keep yourself in tip-top shape, so when you came back, you'd be ready to kind of hit the ground running, and it seems like it's going to take him at least a month um, to sort of get on the field. They they play tonight. They have a bye next week, so their next game is in two weeks, so that would be a literally 30 days from when he uh, came back to the team. And that's the discouraging part is, like, you know, he talks about how much he wants football, how much he's driven, and then you kind of see this and you go, uh, you know, really, maybe, you know, I don't know. Nobody knows what happened, why he went away, but um, he clearly did not come back ready to play football. Yeah, it's. I, I remember seeing him at the Veteran Combine in Phoenix in March. He was in great shape. He, he really was. And it was because of the Dancing with the Stars, and he had been working really hard. And, you know, I, I'm sure that the struggles that he has been going through with his partner have been part of it. He and Vito have ended their relationship after got a couple of years and, and getting engaged just last January. So, you know, I, I, I it's, uh, you know, part of me says football players just don't come to camp in shape. How in shape, 
how out of shape he was, I, I don't know. The fact that he's missing an entire month being with the team tells me he just he was not in good shape. Yeah, and I think the difference is that if a guy comes into camp out of shape, he has camp to get in shape. Unfortunately, Michael left prior to the first preseason game, so if he had stayed those two weeks, he would have been in the right football shape for the time the season started. So, um, you know, and Montreal is giving him every opportunity that he is. He's not on the practice squad. He's being paid his full salary. He's basically been declared inactive for the first two games since he came back. Is what's like in the NFL. They only can only can suit up so many people, and Michael has not suited up the, the first two games, and highly unlikely he'll suit up tonight. But uh, we'll keep following that. Well, well I I'm like, about yeah, it. I mean, that's just one of the things. You know, again, that once he steps on on the field and plays well. Nobody gave, nobody gives a crap what happened in June or July. Yeah, so exactly. So that, that's, that's, that's the key, that's he, the has key. To, he has to produce. Um, I talk about something you probably didn't think we would talk about today, and that's Troy Aikman. And I'm bringing up Troy Aikman because the summer is a pretty quiet time for websites in terms of web traffic, unless there's a World Cup or an Olympics. But we've had our best July ever, and it's not because of stories we've written this month, per se, because people are on vacation. <laughs> the most popular story this month was the Women's World Cup, which they won the gold medal and, uh, or the championship. And our list of the 17 at the time out athletes, and now more, probably more than 20 people have come out since. So that, that's understandable. But the other stories that maybe collectively have more are the stories we have written over the last few years on Troy Aikman and the gay rumors. It's unbelievable to me that the traction that still has 20-some years later. I mean, you know, story with Troy Aikman and Skip Bayless, a story with Troy Aikman saying that uh, he doesn't live that lifestyle. And I'm just kind of wondering what the continuing fascination is with someone who's been out of football for 16 years. He's a Fox broadcaster, but... I mean, I kind of had lost interest in Troy Aikman in that subject years ago when he denied it. And it's like, okay, but it's fascinating to me that in terms of outsports traffic, that is a story that is still has legs, and it seems like they have legs forever. People think Troy Aikman's gay. That's They think he's gay. They've thought he was gay for 20 years. Um, Dallas fans, many of them think he's gay. I imagine, though I don't know, some of his teammates probably do. Um, certainly some reporters do. People have said that they believe he is, to me. And the idea that he, they believe that he lives in the closet is one of fascination. He's, one of, he's a Hall of Famer in the NFL. He's a quarterback with three Super Bowl rings. There aren't many, aren't many people who can say that. Uh, he's very handsome. And he has said anti-gay things in the past. You know, uh, just last year, what prompted the post that keep, my post that keeps getting attention is that he said that being gay is a choice. So I, all of these things add up to the story not going away. But isn't it kind of funny that we check? Our, you know, I'll check on my phone the Google Analytics, and I'll see how many viewers. Oh my God! And I'm, I'm thinking, oh, a story one of us posted that morning is getting all the attention. Then <laughs> you look at it. Troy Aikman basically is not gay, but Skip Bayless is. Troy Aikman says it's a cho- you know chooses to be straight, and it just—I guess it's comical to me that something you and I kind of don't really focus on because if Troy Aikman is choosing to be a closeted gay man, 
There's nothing we're going to do that's going to get him out of the closet. And if he's not a closeted gay man, if he's straight, there's nothing we, you know, it's like there's no story for us to pursue. And so the, it is still funny to me that this is still getting people to click and comment. And he's been out of football since the last century. Yeah, but he's still a certifiable celebrity. Again, yeah. you know, he's one of the most decorated quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, of of the most popular team. And he's on TV every Sunday uh, calling games for Fox. So it's not like he's just, he's gone. He he is very present in the football world every week. So I think that's why he's he's a certifiable celebrity, and and people are obsessed with celebrity. And of course, I've made sure it's in the headline on our podcast, so maybe then people actually listen to the podcast in a larger number. So I kind of play into it myself. So. Um, it's amusing, so if you want to see all the Troy Aikman stuff go to Outsports, we have probably more than a dozen different stories over the years, and he's the gift that keeps on giving. Um, turning to something, just sort of some quick hits on some coming out stories, and it continues to be interesting to me how many young people are coming out. Um, we had an Arizona swimmer, one of the best stories we've ever had in terms of writing, uh, yeah. J.D. Um, uh, John Denton Schneider that Sid and I met in um, Portland. And in Portland, J.D. had told us, um, my story's boring, I'm a Jewish kid from San Francisco, and I'm a swimmer and I'm gay, ho-hum, who cares? And I said, well, maybe somebody will care. Um, maybe you'll make a difference. So he wrote a story that was really very funny and very well written, um, his best line was, you know, he every every male swimmer is in love with another man, colon himself. Um, but JD <laughs> has gotten a ton of attention and comments from it, which keeps keeps going to show that every time people think, oh, nobody's going to quote unquote care about my story, he connected. Yeah, and I was just talking to Bruce Arthur, who is a guy with uh, a sports report up in Toronto about this very thing, and. He was saying how his editors really aren't interested in, in writing about stories of gay high school athletes and he'd be high-profile athletes. And, and I talked to him about this very thing, that it's not about them coming out. It's about the story, their story. And, and when you tell a good story, and, and it, it will connect with people. And just because you've seen a dozen high school swimmers come out does not mean that that 13th one isn't going to, to hit uh, or really reach us, you know, certain people, either people who live around them or people who identify with this particular part of the story, and, and that's why we keep doing it. And Bruce, and Bruce, frankly said, you guys just have that whole market corner. You guys do that better than anybody else. You're doing it way more than anybody else, and he just kind of seemed resigned to that. Well, and it's interesting too because I, for the mainstream media. Those stories are right in their backyard, and in most cases, they're going to know about these kids before we do because, you know, we live in L.A. We don't live in, you know, Canada, and yet they ignore good stories because they think people aren't going to care, and yet if Bruce writes a story about an openly gay high school athlete in Canada, I guarantee you people on, you know, whatever website he's posting on are going to be clicking on that story. It's still a story to people because it's human interest. It's a human story about somebody's struggle. And I find it interesting that so many editors have this ho-hum, been there, done that, 
and they're missing out on compelling stories in my case. And, and we see it when they always spawn others. Because of the JD story, a swimmer contacted me yesterday and said, I want to tell my story. I just heard about sports. Like, you know, <laughs> we've only been around for 15 right. years. But, you know, so he's going to tell his story. And a young high school golfer who's, uh, you know, read Jack Thorne's story and Connor's story and Chandler Whitney's story, he wants to tell his story. And so they all get inspired by other people that sort of tell their stories. We keep talking about this, but it's still, I think the mainstream media is really missing this angle that they seem to think nobody cares and people really do care. Yeah, I remember talking um, a couple of months, it was last year, and People Magazine was going to profile all these people who have come out, and I said, you should just pro- just profile high school and college athletes. And then, of course, they couldn't do that. They had to be professional athletes, and I think they may have included one college athlete. But yeah, they just, you know, it's, just, it's again, it's the same thing as Aikman. It's this obsession with celebrity and association with the NFL or college basketball is just so much more important to them than some of these incredible stories that can have a powerful impact. A lot of, a lot of these, you know, a lot of these reporters, they have pressure to, to drive page views and they don't believe that a high school athlete will drive page views. And they also just don't view their job as I think you and I do. We, we want to use our writing and our editing and our platform to help these kids and a lot of these writers just that's just really is not the reason they're doing what they do well except the funny part is that they would get traffic if that's what their editors want these stories would get them traffic because especially if it's a local story about a local kid people are going to want to read about it and they're going to say oh i didn't know that it's interesting and it's fascinating so i think they're kind of missing the boat on always i can see why people magazine maybe to them it's not a big enough audience because it's not a kardashian or you know oprah or something <laughs> but for us you know for just your your regular web you know a news organization in whatever city um that's their bread and butter is local news and to sort of not write about that is just kind of crazy but um Open the remaining couple of minutes. Let's totally switch gears and talk about football. Um, <laughs> training football. camps are going to open in a couple of weeks, and uh, we often do. We have a dinner pool uh, where we make our picks. Uh, fantasy wise, if you if people starting to get their fantasy football team sort of you know in in their heads, if you had the first pick in fantasy football and you you know you had to get the first pick, who would you take? Jim, I have. Truly, absolutely no idea because I have not even thought about any of this stuff. I suppose, I suppose if I had to, you know, one guy that I might find interesting is LaShawn McCoy in, 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 you know, in, in a um, Rex Ryan offense where he wants to pound and ground away. And, you know, LaShawn McCoy could get a, a heck of a lot of touches. So I I don't know who other people are talking about. I mean Demarco Murray out in Philadelphia. I uh, that's a wild card. He can't possibly do what he did last year. So I I I don't know. Is there like a is there a consensus number one or no? I think two? the reason I asked the question is because I'm baffled myself. Is because the days of oh it's Priest Holmes or Marshall Falk, they're kind of gone because everybody. They're either they're in platoon system. They don't have a good quarterback. Their offensive line is a little shaky, and so. I wouldn't want to have the first pick in a draft. I'd rather have the, on a 10-team league the 7th, 8th, you know, near the end because, you know, every year it's this guy's going to be the consensus and then they get hurt or they don't play well. Last year it was Jamal Charles who had a 
good season in parts, but he was really sporadic. It was like he'd have four touchdowns one game and not got any touchdowns for two games. So it was sort of a question of like, uh, you tell me, because I have no idea. And I think that's going to be the interesting thing going into this year's fantasy draft for people is that there isn't a consensus number one you know, person. I just because the past few years have shown all the experts tend to be wrong. Yeah, I just again I have not. I just haven't given it much much thought. And you, it's such a every year I like to look back and, and look at what the what the what the perfect draft would have been, and the perfect fantasy draft is looks nothing like what anyone on earth actually drafted. Yeah, well, last year uh, my my quarterback was Andrew Luck, who I got in like the ninth round of a fifteen round thing, and he turned out to be the most and the, the most productive quarterback. And I got him basically because everyone else had taken Drew Brees and Peyton Manning and Tom, you know, and those guys in the years like Andrew Luck. And I picked up C.J. Anderson on the waiver wire when nobody was paying attention to him, and he had a great near the end. So yeah, in the year one year, you got Arian Foster really low in our draft. And so yeah, the the funny thing is, I guess the, the consensus is do not pay attention to any experts. Uh, go with your go with your own gut, but we'll post stuff anyway to kind of act like we are experts. But um. We're out of time. Sid is off to Fire Island and Provincetown, so he won't be on next week. If I could find a guest, I will. If not, they'll have a little summer break, depending on news. But remember, our podcast was sponsored by AT&T, Mobilizing Your World. Well, Sid, enjoy your um, vacation. I hope you get a lot of sun and don't get too drunk. I cannot wait. Anybody who's going to be on Fire Island or Provincetown in the next 10 days, hit me on Twitter. Let's connect. All right, that's all we have time for. We'll talk to you next week.